I was trying to lip read, and it, it looked like what you were saying was, we've got some of the best guests on the podcast tonight, but not really our favourite guests, just a few, like, can I <gasps> yes, so so um, obviously we've got me and Craig, and then uh, John and Johnny here under duress because they didn't want to talk about the Glasgow too long game. That's <laughs> that's what I was saying. I was accusing Johnny McGinty of driving another bus into his broadband exchange in his village just to get out of this. <laughs> I think he might have. I think he has. I think he's he's, 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 he's for a long time. <laughs> I didn't. I was trying to tell if Johnny's broadband had frozen or whether he was just absolutely furious. Not <laughs> <laughs> well, having to spend sixty minutes talking about the Glasgow two long final. I couldn't work out whether it was yours or mine, but I guess it must be mine. It seems, it seems yeah. to be a little bit better now. Touch wood. Well, I'm certain. So let's start with Glasgow, David. We'll see. It might it might break again. <laughs> He's practicing the uh, the Drax the Destroyer approach to uh, podcasting, but if he stays still, so still, no one can see him. No one can see him. Yeah. Anyway, hello everybody. So this week, what we are going to do this is the last. At some point, we have to have a break on this podcast. We do. We, we're pretty. Some would say relentless. Some would say <laughs> regular. Others would say consistent. Not many. Um, However, it we are a bit like my bowel movements, is it? <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking as well. Relentless, regular, and consistent, Craig. <laughs> That's not bad for our age, though. <laughs> I, I've roomed with Craig, and I can confirm all of those. <laughs> anyway, um, so what we thought we'd do this week is we're going to do a, a season roundup. Um, we'll go through the the various uh, facets of Scottish rugby and do a wee season roundup of how things have gone. Um, next week, we'll have a proper break. Then what will likely happen is throughout June and July, we'll have some Patreon content. Um, I'm, I may even do a Create Your Own Adventure ah! 23 World Cup edition for those of you who enjoyed that last time. The uh, 22, the 20, um, what we want? The last, the 2019 edition is still up, and I might I'll post a link afterwards if anyone wants to um, navigate cultural protocols of Japan as uh, Gregor Townsend's cultural attaché and see if you can get Scotland to win the World Cup. Um, that's I was still so there. bad at that one. So bad. Could you never? Did you manage? Did you ever get to the end screen, Johnny? No, I don't think I have yet. I might need to go and have another go. I've not done it for a while. Yeah. So yeah, so we'll be doing that. We at some point we'll just have some Patreon nonsense as we head into. Um, the World Cup warm-ups over the summer and then straight into the World Cup. Um, at some point, there'll be the URC. Then we've got the um, WXVs as well to talk about. So lots of rugby coming up. So we'll have a break next week and then we'll we'll launch, we'll, we'll ease everybody into it through the Patreons and then through our proper podcast. If you want to be a Patreon, you can sign up at patreon.com slash Podcast if you want to carry on listening to the podcast throughout June and the start of July. Joining me this evening, and I, and I haven't done the introductions yet, although you've heard some of the voices of those joining me this evening. We've got John Anderson. Hello, John. Good evening, all. Good evening, Cammy. Craig Manson. Hello, Craig. Good evening, all. How are we doing? We've got Lisa Martin. Hello, Lisa. Oh, Lisa, just, <laughs> she's literally just joined us and she's frozen. She's done a Johnny. And we've got Johnny McGinty as well. Hello, Johnny. Hello, how are we doing? Um, I came up with a good idea for a Patreon. By the way, I don't want to collide your worlds too much, but I heard a good uh, fan theory this morning that the reason that um, 
uh, Bandit and Chili Healer have got such a nice house is that they're running an international smuggling ring in Ancient Artifacts. Yeah, there is a theory because she's what she does. Do we want to get this pace? This pace no, 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 let's, yeah, let's wait. Let's, let's get, let's get it. Let's let's you know, this is your way of delaying. Talk. So, yeah, because he's he's an archaeologist. Yeah. And she works she's airport, airport security. security. I mean, it scans. Yeah. <laughs> we can maybe dive into it a little bit. We might do. If if this demand, if you please let us know in the in on the Patreon, if you would like me and Johnny to spend an entire Patreon episode dedicated to Bluey, and we've got we we have people who would thoroughly yeah. enjoy joining in with that. We we will do that. We will spend an entire episode <laughs> of a Patreon podcast getting deep into Bluey. We could, in fact, there's even there's the 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 uh, State of Origin episode. We can deep dive. Oh, there is, that, yeah. 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 Should we, is it's that our way in? Do we just do we just analyze? Let's let's yeah. let's talk about the State of Origin episode of Bluey. As our way of just spending an entire two hours of a Patreon podcast talking about how great Bluey is. That, that'll either be our most popular or least popular episode. In a here's, here's, here's an idea for you. Why don't you just set up a separate podcast and you could do an episode per episode um, uh, breakdown and then you could keep us out of it. Craig, you threaten me with a good time, Craig Manson. Listen. <laughs> There is there is a massive there there is a the Venn diagram of Bluey fans and people who listen to this podcast is almost a perfect circle. <laughs> <laughs> That's the feedback we get on Twitter. We've we, Johnny and I have recommended this program to grown adults with no children, and they have watched yeah. it. And their feedback is very positive that it is the best thing on television right now. It's it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's, it's, uh, it's, okay, I'll I'll, yeah. I'll maybe consider it. Yeah, I mean it's got everything. You'll laugh. You'll cry. Yeah. It's honestly forget succession. It's right? fantastic. Yeah. Well I cry well I cry as much as I cried at Ted Lasso last night. Shh, don't no spoilers. Don't, don't, no, I've not seen it yet either. I've not seen last night. No spoilers. I just all said it was a cry. How many how many times I did how many t- I'm interested to know how many times I've got a running I've got a running kind of uh, co- it's not a contest as such but the me and, me and Lee Calvert do have a running thing about how many times we've cried at the latest episode of Ted Lasso I did three in the episode before this week oh that's a high quarter that was a high, high quarter. quarter yeah, yeah. Also, also not great for an audio podcast but I was trying to be spo- I wasn't trying to spoil anything you see I was just trying to have keeping this in joke going does they spoil anything, mate? <laughs> anyway, speaking of crying, speaking of crying, which season are we going to review first, Edinburgh's or Glasgow's? Oh, if you get Edinburgh, <laughs> you you get Edinburgh's out the way quite quickly, you know. It's, uh, we uh, could do because I feel like then that way, John. <laughs> what we'll do then, then, then Johnny and John will have to watch themselves. Otherwise, then you can unleash um, when we come around to Glasgow. So let's do, let's do Edinburgh first, then Craig. Luckily, Lisa's, this, Lisa's come back now, so she can discuss Edinburgh now as well. So it's not she just, can. Uh, so we're, it's we're, not just we're me Craig, that has to take the shit. What we'll do? What we'll do? Craig, we'll do Craig, Craig and Lisa. Let's talk term, about Craig. Edinburgh. I wasn't there in thirty-three seconds. It's an end of term. Sorry, man. It's fine. So, Craig, Edinburgh season. It's a. I think it's fair to say it's a mixed bag, and the and you're ending it without a head coach. Yeah, yeah, sounds a bit like Glasgow's last year, isn't it? Really, <laughs> although we attacked a little bit better. Um, no, it's 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 it, it, oh. John. I'm sure has got all the quotes written down uh, from the beginning of the season because uh, he likes to. Ah, um, uh, you were winning the league, Craig. I remember, Mister Manson. You <laughs> said this on such and such a date, did you not? Um, so uh, yeah. Um, it was so much hope and promise, um, and unfortunately, 
uh, a lack of, from what I can tell, uh, uh, you know, the, the whole we'll score more tries than you score um, um, method of, of winning games didn't get there, um, unfortunately. So it was a, it was a difficult one, um, for especially for, for Edinburgh fans who who really quite got excited about what was going on um, last season. But, you know, it, it, all it takes is a couple of scores to go our way. You know, the first four games, I think we won one and then lost three. But the the ones we lost were by a point, by two points. Um, and we still got try bonus points on most of them as well. So it, those those games, you, you win them and all of a sudden your season is looking different. So it's okay. Fair enough. It's a, it's a, um, what's you know what could have what, what could have happened what, what we could have won. But um, no, it was it's been a difficult year, a very difficult year. Lisa, I mean, what what one positive that actually came out of a bit of a negative is that Ember have got Duhan back and they've gone back for what on a on a on a. I mean, it's it's hard to tell these days because don't, we don't get told how long people have signed for. But it's it was kind of an initial short term deal and then a longer term deal, and that's. That's got to be a bonus for Ember that they they have managed to now, although they've got him back rather than retained him. They, they've they've retained some of the bigger names, so Darcy's still around. You've got Duhan around. They, they've got a bit more of a settled squad around them. Yeah, I think it's it's great to have the, these big names there, and you know the pedigree they bring from internationals and obviously from from club. Obviously, when Duhan was in at Worcester as well, but you also then having a lot of pressure on them of like we know how well you can perform so you need to start doing it I think um having so much of an emphasis on these guys and then having Darcy unavailable for a large period of time didn't massively help us and then Duhan for again periods of the time didn't look like he got off the bus like we're expecting a lot of these guys to like you know to get us go forward to get us points on the board then you know, we are attacking well. It's just it's our finishing ability needs to be a bit more clinical. And, you know, like you said, these these big names that we've retained, that we've got, you know, for the next one to two years, we need we nearly need to have these guys start showing why why we retained them in the first place and why we've given them these these two years extensions. John, say something nice about Embra. Do you know I was going to say something nice about them anyway? <clears throat> I think um, Edinburgh have or had all the ingredients and I think the problem here is not that, so Edinburgh have had a poor season uh, and I think they've they've been hampered by a number of different things that difficult second season that you, you often find with new inexperienced head coaches and I think there's elements of Edinburgh that have been found out in that aspect but I think they've also got a slightly aging squad at key positions, which hasn't helped. But ultimately, Edinburgh have all the tools at their disposal to be a very, very good side. I think the problem last season was the expectation was so high. After, let's be clear, a seventh place finish, right? You don't finish seventh and then go win the title. That's not really the progression path we see with the, the clubs we've got in the league now. So... I think Edinburgh have suffered a wee bit from second season syndrome, but I reckon next year they'll bounce back from that under whatever head coach. If they pick the right head coach, they'll bounce back from that. Um, They've got the players to do that. 
They've got a lot of young talent coming through as well now, starting to challenge in those kind of aging positions. I'm concerned about a couple of the people you've let go. I think you've let go some some quite good talent. Um, recruitment's going to be key for you. But um, yeah, Edinburgh, Edinburgh are not, not as bad a team as they showed this season. And they weren't a million miles off it. Is that is that positive? Can I can I go with that? That's I think that's that's all right. You allow I'll allow it, Johnny. <laughs> um, I know we make. I know you know you in particular. You know, pick up on Ember in the stadium. It's like Adobe's garden center. I know we we've made that joke before on the podcast. However, there is a sense that Ember feels much more of a club than it ever has done before, and that's got to be helping. It's not you know they're not playing games in the kind of vast emptiness of Murrayfield and there is a bit more of a I don't have a push from social media to kind of create much more of a club atmosphere and it feels less forced than it has done in the past it feels more natural um the players certainly seem more connected with the fans that than they have done in the past it, that then it's not just a kind of although you know arguably perhaps a couple of players maybe did feel it was a little bit like a kind of stepping stone to the Scotland squad but it, generally the players seem to want to play for Ember and want to win and that's that's got to be progress for the for the club yeah definitely and it and it's a whole club thing as well and in fact it's even outside of just edinburgh um it's like as much as we like to make fun of the look of it or whatever it's a great facility and it's the perfect sort of size and atmosphere of stadium for the URC. At the moment, it's also the perfect size and atmosphere for the women's team, and it's been great to have them playing out of the dam. Hopefully, they'll outgrow it in a year or two. But for the moment, it's it's really, really good. It's a good place to go to games. The atmosphere is fun. Edinburgh do a lot of stuff to help that get better as well, you know, with like club night and fan appreciation night and stuff. Um, they they have kind of upped the ante this season in terms of what they're doing to connect fans to the club and it has made for a much better sort of club atmosphere, I think, than they've had in the past. Craig, how does that feel being, being in the stadium now? I mean, have you is obviously you'll have seen a marked difference. Has that kind of been sustained over the last couple of seasons with with the now now the stadium's kind of more I suppose things are more settled. I know we all kind of joked about the fact that players were gonna to have to pad across the uh, you know the, the the car park to get from the changing dressing rooms into the stadium, but they've actually if anything, they've made a bit of a feature of that in actually entering the stadium and, and the way that works sometimes after games. Is, uh, does it feel more of a home? Yeah, I, I, I think it definitely does. Um, I think you know, uh, for example, we you know I I and me and the family stand in the Lothian stand and we're in the terrace part rather than the seats. And, and the Lothian stand has, has already become a place known for the noise and known for for, for a mixture of heart and, and celebration. Um, and I think the other stands are starting to... to uh, I definitely think the Murrayfield stand has become quite noisy um, and quite a, a good place to be. The the, the Riverside stand, or whatever they call it, I've forgotten what they call it, but um, that's that seems to be the one that doesn't tend to sell very much of. Um, that tends to be the one that 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 um, doesn't the fans tend to to, to to get tickets from. Um, but I definitely think it's a, a as you say, you know, it's, it's a really it's a massive, massive step forward. And for the last two years, it's been a pleasure to go to. Even though, you know, even even if we are getting beaten, 
it's still, it's still a, a, a great atmosphere within your, even whether you're, you're pulling the team apart or, or the referee apart or whether you're celebrating together. There's a very, very good vibe within the um, within the stands. Um, yeah, and, and just as you say, that Edinburgh have really, the, the marketing team or, or whomever's in charge of it, the, the match day team have really made a, a feature of the the, the where the, the players walk across from Murrayfield and and it's almost be, become part of a, a small village of all your all your your food and your drinks are all down there um and so while you're you're having your pre-match burger or whatever um the players are coming past you to go into the stand to warm up and it, it really adds to the atmosphere Lisa how much how much of a difference does it make to kind of a, a players do you think having the fans that close to the pitch. I think we've kind of touched on this briefly before, but obviously at Murray, Murray, big Murrayfield, there's quite a gap, and and at other stadiums traditionally there there is that kind of either a track or there's this distance. But the fans really are right on top of the players, and that's got to be intimidating to to opposition teams coming to coming to Edinburgh, especially with a a bit more vocalism from the fans and Edinburgh fans these days. Yeah, I think it makes a massive difference having the fans so close. Um, and that they have that ability to be intimidating. Obviously, it's great when you're playing well, they can get on your back and they can really motivate you. Obviously, it's a bit more um, a bit more challenging when you maybe things aren't going so well. But I think having it feel tighter and having it feel more enclosed creates more of that community vibe and that more of a togetherness thing. So it's actually, here we do have a whole venue behind us and it, you know, you can look and you can see everyone in the crowd and, you know, whether that be friends, family as well. I know that, like, when I was playing, like, if it was a bit of a tough moment or whatever, if you could spot someone in the crowd you noticed, it just gave that little bit of extra lift of, like, okay, they're here watching. Okay, maybe <laughs> you need to buck up my ideas here and, like, you know, put my thoughts up and get on with this. But, no, I think I, I think having stands that close to the, to the ground, that close to the action not only helps the product itself because, you know, young kids can actually see what the hell's happening, but also it, it just creates a fantastic atmosphere and environment you want to be part of. Yeah. Craig, go give me a highlight of the season then for, for as an Ember fan. Um, for, for, for me, um, and, it, and it's going to be the Trident, well, uh, apart from, um, yeah, okay. It's, uh, the, beating Saracens meant a lot. Um, it was a, it was something that was at home. They, apart from not having Farrell, they brought up a fairly decent squad <laughs> to play against us, and we we quite enjoyed that. Um, yeah, I, I did see that Lisa, and I had to mention it. So, uh, but uh, um, but and also, my, my, actually, the during that game, seeing um, VP Nell after he got another, he came on. Um, immediately got immediately got a scrum penalty and just stood up and smiled, kicked out the, the power belly and went and just smiled and uh, and I think um, I think it was that game. But anyway, it was you know he uh, he has been a superstar for us um, and still continues on for the next year. So yeah, um, I think that has to be one of my highlights. And Lisa, highlight for you, November this season. Um. Don't really know if I can pick one to be honest. I think, I think again, it probably does kind of tail around the Saracens games and just the way that they're able to get themselves up for such a big occasion. Um, I think that that for me, I'm going to be a completely unbiased 
total on the fencer for those days. Um, I think really showcase that we have the ability to compete with one of Europe's best. So I think, yeah, I think basically saying exactly what Craig said for once. Um, Saracen's games are great. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. So that's that's a neat roundup for for, for Embraer. We talked like last week, I think, about kind of hopes for next season, and you know we'll we'll touch on that. We'll touch on that as we get into kind of season previews, and we we find out who. Who's actually going to be the Ember coach going forward? It'll be exciting when that when that finally gets announced that Steve Diamond's got the job. John, let's turn to Glasgow now. <laughs> when Steve Diamond gets announced, I'm doing a Patreon special, three hours, and I'm just going to sit. I'm going to invite everyone and their dog on. It's going to be beautiful. Well, I, can cate- I can categorically say he will not be guessing it. <laughs> He's not getting it. We've got, we've got we that have got the ability like... to we've got the ability to play sound clips back on this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> which is why we've I'm got this one. Quietly confident, quietly confident, quietly confident that uh, yeah he'll be gone come November. Yeah, well, someone in the know that sounds well, good. I'm I'm just dis- I'm just a bit disappointed I won't get to to spend the entire of next season doing my terrible terrible Steve Diamond impression. <laughs> Oh well, jo- Johnny Johnny beat you with his terrible, terrible uh, uh, Leo Cullen impression last week. I'll get another chance to crack that out this week as well. Of all the people you can impersonate, Johnny, <laughs> come on, mate. Uh, let's let's be perfectly clear. I think we learned last week that Leo Cullen is not a person I can impersonate. I was going to say it wasn't an impersonation. <laughs> let's just be clear of that. Yeah, attempt. Okay, attempt. Sorry, I, just Cameron. while we're on it, just because while we're on Edinburgh, can I just say on the URC site? Um, uh, the two positives we have is we were first in our stats. We were first in scrums. What do you um, mean? You were the first ones to bend up. What does that mean? You had the most scrums. You won the most scrums. We had the most scrum wins. Oh, okay, yeah. that's fine. And when you said, second, I thought you were the first to most scrums. I was going to say that's not yeah. that's not like something you should be <laughs> celebrating. <laughs> well, actually, know, you know what was WP Nell being first to most scrums is pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. true and. Um, we were second. Our stats for kicking were second in the league as well. Would you believe? What is in you? Well, second si- kicking uh, yeah, success. Yeah, again, we're going to need a bit more context. Kicking, su- kicking success, second in the league. What is in kicking, kicking goal, goal success? Yes. Uh, well, there's a, there's a lot to kicking, Craig. I know it doesn't seem like it to you, but there's lots of different kinds of kicking. I'll tell you what, 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 what else? You can't just go, oh, we were second at kicking. We, we were good at kicking. <laughs> Prop like I can see it. I can see exactly what I want to see on here. I, I, you know, that's what I've decided. <laughs> nobody is put. Nobody is putting any sort of. Uh, uh, don't tread on me on this podcast. Um, as far as I'm concerned, go to the URC website, look up Edinburgh, and you will see, and you can make your own decisions because that's all I got. As as a, as as a as a wise man once said, Craig, you can prove anything with facts. Absolutely, and John Anderson can prove anything with stats. He almost proved that Danny Wilson was a good coach with stats, but that's a different story. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think you'll find I absolutely didn't. <laughs> so I was like the touch paper there. I was just going to see what you can say. So John, have have you got a note of what you said uh, in 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 the early part of the season on this podcast when yes. Glasgow pointed Franco Smith? So, so, so I actually listened back to the episode after the Benetton game. Um, when Glasgow, an undercooked Glasgow, got absolutely shellacked by Benetton. 
uh, and I said, Dis- disjointed, disappointing, uh, will ultimately end up 11th. <laughs> I was confident that things were going to improve. <laughs> <laughs> I did, however, say they looked like a team that are underprepared, and I think judge them in a couple of weeks' time. However, we shouldn't fear Benetton because they are a pointless team and actually we're much better than them. Despite I the wish you would stop saying that about Benetton. Like, that was true about Benetton five years ago. Well, but it's, it's very still much true. We are a better team than them. And you say we're, it we're, every we're, year. And every year at least in the one Scottish team we're, gets beat by them. Where are Benetton in the playoffs? Where, where are they in European finals? They're nowhere. So we're they, yeah, but they beat Glasgow, Edinburgh and Ulster and at the home. Bulls this year. At home. They're not like a joke team anymore. Where did you look at the you look at the signings they're making as well, and clearly if yeah, they were a joke team, who, who would go? Yeah, who, who would go to a joke team? I mean, somebody who's after a big dollar, uh, who by, doesn't take their, by the start of next season. <laughs> you're gonna gonna find that you to, <laughs> we're going to stop. We're going to convince you to stop calling Benetton a joke team by the start of nah, next season. Not happening. Not happening. In, a, in the pantheon of wrong opinions, it might be your wrongest opinion. <laughs> Just as, as, and just to just to please please David of uh, of the uh, Scum of the Earth podcast, John, you just sit there on your wrongness and be wrong. Okay. <laughs> yes, I, I I wasn't terribly confident at the start of the season, Cammy. No, Johnny, how were you? How I mean, in on reflection, is this a first year kind of blip? Do you think, or do you think, kind of Franco Smith's the real deal and is kind of here to stay? I, I yeah, I think we'll he'll be around for a while. I think um, he seems to have created an atmosphere that the players are enjoying being around, but is is also kind of created a bit of accountability. Um, he handles being in front of the press really well in terms of the way he. Uh, analyzes victories and defeats straight after they happen in a way that that kind of I think keeps the players happy, the press happy and the fans happy. Um and he's he's put in some really fantastic game plans. Like I think he could be an absolutely great signing for all that when he was announced we all went really. He's turned out to be a bit of a revelation. So um Craig I'm going to put this to you. Say something nice about Glasgow. Um, Glasgow have confounded every expectation um, and every every person's point of view, unless they were died in the wheel Glasgow. Um, and they have done an incredibly good job um, with, and I said this last week, and, and Okay, there's a, there are some British Irish Lions in there. There's some fantastic players in there, but I, what I would say is, as a squad that isn't all bells and whistles, they have got bells and whistles. Don't get me wrong; they have proven that. But they, if you looked at them at the beginning of the year, they were in a transition stage. There were still players that, and there are still players that have just been re-signed that I wouldn't think should be still playing. Um, but there's some young players coming through. There's some players that. You don't. You didn't expect that that were signed that you didn't expect to get anything out of, and they've completely confounded everybody and said, "Well, no, no, you know, uh, here I am. Look at me." Um, so I think they've done a. I think whether it's Franco Smith or whether it's the players themselves or whether it's the leadership within the within the the the, the club, 
Um, they've done a fantastic job this year. Um, we're almost at this situation that Edinburgh had last year. So now this now the the second album, the tricky second album, is going to be the interesting one. Um, and the promise that is there, as we've you know, if you look as we talked about with uh, the final, etc. I'm sure we'll talk about the final fairly soon. But um, you know, the the issue you have is that Glasgow were knock were, were knocking on the door of the Pro 12 for three or four years before they actually won it. So what they now need to do is, is is take what they have and move forward um and 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 be back into the finals next year um so i don't, don't i don't see them doing very much with the european cup um but i think uh, the urc they've got a good chance of getting back to the finals again next year and and lisa i mean for for glasgow they've been fairly unlucky in a way with fly halves because ross thompson was was the guy that was going to steer them through but he's been hit by injury Duncan Weir was you know bizarrely kind of brought back into the mix and then he's been somewhere between Sterling and Glasgow but then you know uh, what a fine Tom Jordan has been who's kind of come from the Super 6 and in a way Glasgow have been quite lucky in a way I suppose that, that, that someone of that quality has kind of been able to make that step up yeah, I think so. I think the way that Tom Jordan play, plays is very much the way that Franco likes to play. He likes a 10 that has a running game. Um, and I think he's just kind of grown week on week in that jersey. I think still, obviously, there's still going to be questions over kicking game, but that, I mean, there's always questions over kicking game for every single 10 in the world. Um, but I think I think it's great to see that, you know, the Super 6 has got some little diamonds in there. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you're going to see Richie Simpson's going to be getting in and around as well. He's He absolutely tore it up in 20s. And again, coming from utter obscurity as well. Like, I mean, he was playing for Club Air Team. Didn't get an academy, wasn't involved in anything really. And all of a sudden, he's kind of completely flourished. Um, so I think there's a lot of, of youngsters coming in and to go into an environment where Franco is heading up, where he's creating a team culture and a team like values of the fact like being hard work and being hard working is an non-negotiable like if you want to be successful in Florida you need to be working hard um so I think yeah Tom Jordan's been an absolute find and I, I hope that you know they, t- they look to build a team around him and I mean it's going to be really hard for Ross Thompson to get back in again but you know that's that's a challenge he needs to have in order for him to keep the health in his game and, and really push looking forward pushing into you know making a Scotland jersey his as well Shall we talk about the final then John I know you don't want to Do we not get to do our highlights Edinburgh I'm going to come around I'm going to come they get you know I'll come around I'm coming to that first I'll We've come to that don't worry Well let's, let's be honest our highlights not going to be the final is it let's No No but let's talk about the final because we you know we we said last week and John you weren't here so I'll give you a chance first <clears throat> We said last week that you know they, this was an opportunity for Glasgow to, to be in a final to show they could cope with the pressure, and it didn't happen. And that's that's got to be a worry, I suppose, going forward. Is it's all well and good having a season where you build, you know, you, you, you get close in the RC, and that, it was a close game against Munster. Well, the result was certainly close, but then to get to a final, you'd hope they'd learn from something like that. But at the same time, it wasn't. It wasn't anywhere close. Yeah, no, I mean that's absolutely fair. They were, they were, they were miles off it, miles off it, and miles off what they have produced this season. And I would probably take the whole 
um, almost the business end of the season, the whole playoff rugby, the whole you know knockout rugby part of the season hasn't necessarily been that great for Glasgow. I think what I keep coming back to is I think I think it's a year too early. I think almost the development of these players. I think they'll benefit from this. I think we'll we'll talk about some of the. Some of the people who maybe will not benefit from this because they've done this over and over, and you know, if you are consistently repeating failure, are you are you necessarily going to ever change your ways? Probably not. Um, some of these young players, in particular, will learn so much from that experience. They 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 got stage fright, and they've done it against Munster as well. Munster, it was a close game, but that was because Munster were a bit rubbish. Munster could have and probably should have blown that Glasgow performance off the park that night. Glasgow didn't turn up for knockout rugby this year. And for me, that, that, it is a season too early. It's That was never... I, I, I think with the best will in the world, I don't think you realistically would have heard Franco Smith talking about you know Challenge Cup finals and URC knockout stages this season with where that squad was. Again, look back to that Benetton game in the first game of the season. The squad was a shambles. We've got Tom Jordan, who, as you guys rightly said, you know, obviously missing for the final, but has been a standout player for Glasgow this year. He's not even a 10. He's a 12. And, you know, the reason probably Sam Johnson's been released is that Tom Jordan has that potential to cover 12 when necessary. He's obviously proven he can play 10 this year. We've, it's been a really strange season, but we've been building something really amazing and then came to knockout rugby and it is just a step too far for this group at this point in time. But, you know, we're... <laughs> Sorry, Johnny. I've just seen your message in the background. Who, who has got a budget? Who's got the budget? Own up. Is it's it not a budget. I've got Mark Mullen. My window's open and, uh, and the birds are tweeting outside. That's uh, well, that's because we're talking about Glasgow Creek, obviously. So they're, they're, <laughs> yeah, we well, see, I'm, I'm, I'm about to disagree with you wholeheartedly at the moment, so it's fine. Excellent, excellent. Uh, I think it's a season too early, and I think Glasgow have had a very, very good season against any expectation. I think it'll be interesting to see how that progresses. I think there's a lot of winners in that team. I think there's a lot of dead wood that can still be cut in that team. And I think Franco will do his best to do that in due course. Johnny, John talked about Deadwood there. And there have been a lot of, in some ways, surprising cuts to the Glasgow squad. And obviously, Franco Smith's got his own view of, of how that should be and, and wants to put his own stamp on it. I think everyone was surprised by Sam Johnson, but maybe not Ryan Wilson, although you got the impression he wasn't quite ready to go. Yeah, uh, and it was a, it was a weird one because... The, the proper official Glasgow Instagram um, shared his story of him having a, a beer and a sing-song with the boys in the changing room after his last game, and his caption was like, oh, you never know when it's going to be the last time, so make sure you really enjoy it. Um, and to be honest, with everything up until that, I thought it was sort of a mutual thing. You know, like, Wilson is realistically for everything that he's done for the, for the club is not in a match day 23 at the moment. Um, barring some some fairly serious things happening. So it made sense as a move, and I kind of thought everyone was on board with it. But then that Instagram post came out, and it made me sort of... It made my head turn a little bit, because it, 
it did kind of suggest that maybe it wasn't entirely mutual that they were he was moving on. Um, it was a bit of a weird one. But but to a certain extent, Craig, I think that Glasgow needed to maybe get rid of some of the bigger personalities in a way. You know, it's obviously it's always good as a club to kind of have people that know the history and, and kind of embody what the club means. But at some point, they have to move on to make way for new blood. But also, I suppose, new perspectives, new outlooks from a squad point of view, a new approach, less banter. <laughs> yeah, less fiction, less, less, uh, yeah, less banter, less, uh, less, yeah, I can't see the word, uh, until I'm in the patron. So, I, I, I think, I think for me, it's it's one of those situations where we all kind of discussed, you know, when he first came on board. Um, one of the points I did make is that if you, you know, especially the Tom Jordan situation, um, Franco Smith did exactly the same thing at Bennett and where he brought in, um, uh, he, he brought in Garbisi at 19 and this this young man transformed and is now the leading 10 for, for, for Italy So, and he is a very good player um, ended up going away to, from Bennett and where has he gone? Is he away to one of the French teams? Montpellier, um, so, Montpellier so, well mind you they're not doing very well this year but, um, but he's uh, he, a very very good player so that's the sort of you know, it's the first. It's a natural thing to do. If you if you take over as a manager in any in any job, you tend to clear out the big, the the, the big names um, to to bring in your own team. And I think uh, that's what he's done. Um, Sam Johnson. Well, it, it surprised me, but it didn't surprise me because he's not played very often this year. Um, so it kind of you expect the same with Cole Forbes and and people like that. You know, they, they haven't played very often, um, and they were those were players that. That Glasgow fans are saying, no, oh, you know, they're dying in the rule Glasgow, they're going to do a great job. The Cole Forbes especially came came out to be, you know, everyone said that he's going to be the new the, the, the second coming, and all of a sudden he just he just didn't seem to work very well for Glasgow, unfortunately. Um I think also what you have to look the at feral well, cats of the feral cats of Glasgow can breathe breathe a sigh of relief. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. He just all, all Cole Forbes really needed was Dave Rennie to take him around his house and play the guitar and and, and put his arm around him, um, and that would have been helpful. But who, uh, who said I, Cole Forbes was the next, the second coming? By the way, just, just like, when he when he his first game, apart from his was it no yellow or was it a red? defense was good. It yeah. looked solid. But uh, I, solid was he looked fantastic. I, I'm sure. I think Cole oh, Forbes no. came here thinking he was going to walk into a Scotland jersey as well. And when he discovered well, it was much tougher yeah. than he thought, he kind of like decided he was going home again. I, I think I think he I think he's doing this, he, he's done the same thing. And and, and this, I'm going to say this, and I don't mean it in a bad way because I think he's a phenomenal player. But I think Ben Bellicott was the same. Um, thought he was coming up to to play scrum half for Scotland, and and, and unfortunately. George George Horn came got a chance to actually play this season and he's uh, and he's abs- he's absolutely shown. Um, but yeah, I, I think I, I think you're right though. I think it's a year too early. I think the final where, where the issue I had was that I I actually found thought that Munster on the Munster game Munster defended incredibly well. Um, and and again Toulon did exactly the same thing. Glasgow threw all the toys at them and threw all their all their plays at them. And they defended very, very well. And I think, you know, it's the same thing with everyone saying that Johnny Matthews should be starting for Scotland and Johnny Matthews this and Johnny Matthews that. Yeah, he's, 
he's fantastic, a, a phenomenal player scoring a lot of tries behind them all. But when he when the defence a good defence, pardon me, a good a, a good team with a good mall defence completely nullified Glasgow's mall. So it's 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 one of those situations where where, where they've come up against a team that have their defence sorted out um, and have analysed them and, and actually they've come up against a couple of quality teams that have had problems. Whereas a lot of the teams that they've played, they've taken apart because, let's just be frank, it was the Welsh and it was the Italians. So you're going to hopefully, well, apart from Benetton, you're going to hopefully beat them. Whoa, I was going to say, including Benetton. <laughs> I was, they them at home. Uh, yeah, You've got three months to knock this out of your system, Anderson. No, I'm, I'm keeping it. This is my thing, and I will die on this hill. You will, incorrectly. <laughs> repeatedly. Very quickly. And that will be my legacy. <laughs> very quickly, and and only because you'll both complain if I don't. John, your highlight for Glasgow before I move on. Uh, the debut of Sione, Sione Vailano. Um, the f- almost first touch of the ball where he scoops out the ruck, uh, sidesteps um, a, a lovely, lovely Italian defender who does not want any piece of that, goes 55 metres, scores a try under the posts. Magnificent. What a find he's been this year. Johnny? Uh, beating the Stormers New Year week at Scotsdale. Um yeah. Great atmosphere, great game. Sione two, Polo two, line breaking backwards. And I think that was the moment where Glasgow had, had momentum building for quite a long time. Uh, we're looking good in the Challenge Cup. We're starting to put everything together in the URC. And I think at the end of that game, that was the moment that you were like, this is actually maybe going to happen this year. That that was the game that brung Hugh Jones back in the Scotland first year. Yeah. Everyone went, oh, wow, he's back. What okay. a performance. Very quick. As a final roundup of kind of pro rugby before we move on, um, I'm going to ask you each to choose your Scottish URC player of the season. And here's the challenge. You could choose a Glasgow or an Ember player, and it doesn't matter who you support. I was going to pick Rory so Sutherland this is a, as well. This is a thought, this is a thought experiment. You could put, I mean, it could be a, it could be a Scottish international. If someone wants to pick Blade Thompson, they can do. <laughs> did play some games this season before he's retired. Uh, Craig, I'll start with you. Oh man, can you come back to me in a second? I'll have to have a okay. Lisa, have you had a chance to think about who who your your Scottish URC player of the season would be? Um, oh my days, this is like literally putting up pressure on the spot here. Um, I'd probably have to say, um, oh dear God. Oh dear, the pressure, pressure. Um, I'll, I'll need to go because mine's absolutely please, gone. Please, please, go now. Have for have two nails on. Uh, All good. Sione Tupelo two. John. So, two two for me. Jack no, you're not allowed to. You're not allowed to. You're not allowed to. I've said Jack, your player, not players. Jack Choose. Dempsey, George Horn. Equal. Which one? Equal. Both. They can't be equal. equal. They're different positions. You've got to choose equal. one. Equal. They're both beautiful. Just because you're in a room with two, how a virtual room with two people from Howard Five, you can drop George Horn if you want to. <laughs> Please them. Jack Dempsey. Jack Dempsey. Okay, Craig, have you had a chance to think? Um, you're allowed to say George Horn because you okay. because you're well, from Howard Five. Actually, it actually was George Horn because I've been we've been 
talking about George Horn for the last three years about how he wasn't getting game time and how he was such a loss to this game without getting game time. And um, finally, he has a coach that believes in him and gives him game time, and look what happens. So um, I have to, you know, I, I'm obviously WP Nell, the VP is the man, and I'm, uh, I'm incredibly... I love him to death, so uh, you know, he's going to be my Edinburgh Player of the Year, but uh, um, I think George Horn has done a phenomenal job this year. Lisa? Um, it might be for a bit more unseen stuff, but like probably Richie Gray and just the resurgence he's had since yeah. coming back. Really uh, actually, yeah, I like Richie Gray, to be honest, the un- unsung hero. Cammy, who's yours? Because nobody's mentioned Javin Sebastian. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got one, and you know I haven't got one, John, because I think that pro rugby in Scotland is a nonsense. <laughs> you, could, you could pick an international of the year if you wanted. An international of the year. I probably would have said Richie Gray, to be fair, um, just because I think he's come back. His fitness levels are just phenomenal, given we think when he made his debut and how how long he's played and how, how, how long he had out as well of the international game and, and what a difference he's made. Um, speaking of internationals, um, let's talk about the women. Let's talk about Scotland women then and, and, and do a season review on that. And everyone's looking at the time, all our patrons are thinking, how are they going to fit in Scotland? And we're not. That's that's the thing, because Scotland's season's not over yet because it's a World Cup. So we'll, we'll review Scotland at the end of the World Cup because that that's where... That, that's that's where the proof of the pudding for Scotland men lies, is at the end of a World Cup cycle. So let's talk about Scotland women then. Lisa, it's it's been a long season because we've had a, we've had a World Cup and we've had a Six Nations. Um, we've had a big season in that we've had an announcement of pro contracts, finally, after a long wait. Um, and I suppose looking back on it, it's it, you could class it as a success because I mean it was at the World Cup they, they were you know pushed Australia all the way with narrow loss to Wales similar in the Six Nations we've talked about you know two you know win against Italy and Ireland a possible you know there could have been a win against Wales which would have been three so maybe a, a, you know missed opportunities but still overall positive yeah I think there's a lot of positive to take from it I mean some of them were maybe enforced in terms of you know the depth that we're getting in certain positions, obviously, with, without having Emma and Sarah Bonner in, we're seeing more depth come through in the second row, a bit more, obviously, with Evie Gallagher coming on the scene. I'm really putting her mark down at eight as well. Um, but I think there's still little things that you're a bit like, this really needs to be changed. Obviously, getting so close is amazing, but when that's all you're ever doing, you're always that, oh, just about. It's like in any case of, well, what, what is it that we still need to do to get us over the line? Because... These games are there, like Wales are there for the taking, a hundred percent. Like a hundred percent, they are there for the taking. There's nothing too fantastical about them. There's nothing they do that's dramatically amazing that we can't counter and do even better ourselves. But it's just, it's who, it's looking for those catalysts in the team now. It's like who's who's now going to stand up going forward and say, actually, you know what, I'm sick of, I'm sick of being one or two points away. Like we need to now get, like we said before, I think for all the Six Nations, we get we need to get a bit more cutthroat and a bit more ruthless. Um, and having those players do that. Um, and yeah, I think, yeah, there's definitely lots of little things in there, but it's now just piecing it all together and saying, okay, well, this is what we want to look like. Um, I know obviously team culture has been, been worked on massively as well. And you can see that, you know, the girls enjoy each other's company. 
uh, I mean, they kind of have to know that there's so much, they're spending so much time together. Um, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I'd like to see a bit more, and I think it'll be interesting to see how we go in in tier two of you know WXV against some some of the other teams from around the world and stuff. But um, yeah, I'm still I'm edgy, but I'm feeling confident. I'm feeling quite confident. Good, Craig. I think one of the things looking at looking at some of those World Cup games before this podcast and look at the kind of the names in in those teams and looking at where we've ended up with ended up in the the Six Nations. I, one one of the positives would be that there have been players who've who've retired, like you had a Hannah, Hannah Smith, um, who've, who've been big features of of this Scotland team for, for a while now, and and then also there's been the likes, you know, Rona Lloyd's gone and 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 not been part of the GB Seven squad, and again she's been a huge part of the squad and and has you know scored a lot of tries for Scotland, and the fact that you know I'm I'm sure within the squad there their absence has been felt, but others have stepped up into those roles and and perform and, and and as a squad and from a results perspective there there hasn't been a significant drop. So that's got to be a positive that there is now a or appears to be certainly kind of a bit more depth. Yeah, yeah. I think I think if you if you look at some of the performers um within the Six Nations um, they were definitely some of them were the new players coming in, um, getting more, you know, and and I think for me, I think um, where you're seeing the the, the depth and the depth and um, uh, in players is the fact that you're now getting the younger players that are coming through have only know are only really knowing professionalism, you know, so they come into the squad and. They've not had to balance a job, a working life, and and um, playing playing high level um, rugby for their for their their actual team, and then um, playing for for their for their country. Um, so all they are used to and, and are and are ready to you know all they've known is is, is professionalism. They don't they're, they're used to that level, so they're coming in and they're and, and they're showing that. Um, their standards are very, very high, and and so I think it's a positive. What what also has has shown is that there's some players have come along who have been in the squad for some time, and they've just for you know this year they've developed. Well, Lana Skeldon's always been fantastic, so there's the, you can't really, you know, we can't really say, you know. She, she's got she's getting better she is getting better and better but she's been at a very high standard before but for example um, Helen Nelson her kicking from hand this year has been far better her kicking from the tee was very very good as well so it's it, this this sort of um hope and and I don't know if she's one of the the players that's got a full professional contract but those Taking away those other burdens and saying, right, well, you're concentrating on rugby all of your time, it, you can see the extra one percent, the extra ten percent that's coming to these players that have been within the squad for some time. So it's a really exciting time for Scottish rugby. It's a really exciting time for the, the for the the team, and uh, and we just need to ensure that everyone within the team, whether it's backroom staff, whether it's man- management, whether it's the players, are all pushing for forward in, in, in the same vein and have the same um, the same goals, you know. Yeah. 
And and Johnny, Lisa touched on the culture in the squad. And we again, we it's something we've talked about before, even kind of pre, I say professionalism in inverted commas, because there's you know it's not like there's been significant. You know, it's been investment of a sort, but maybe maybe could could go further. But pre professionalism, we've always talked about what appeared to be a, a really good culture within the women's squad and some of the stuff on social media and the way they kind of communicated and engaged with fans was superb. I think that's continued through that. I mean, we see, you know, Ellis Martin that we've, we've had on the podcast before, um, you know, seems to be the official photographer and that that's extended to some of the squad, I think going and running training sessions or even coaching the age grade teams. I think Alice was probably involved in the under 16s at one point, yeah. I think I saw like, and that is fantastic. You know, I would take anything away from that. That is fantastic because, you know, to have that link and that connection between the professionalism and the age grades and the pathways is brilliant. On the other hand, I, I, it's hard to know whether or not that's great. And that's, you know, if that's something the players want to do and, and they're, they're going and doing that, fantastic. But is this just more evidence of kind of women having to do, having to kind of go in and do these jobs because nobody else is doing them? And that's, that's yeah. what's hard to tell. Do you know what I mean? That, that's exactly it's a, there's, a lack yeah. of, there's a lack of resource. So someone is having to step in and it's someone who's, you know, volunteering from the pro rugby and actually we should be investment in having a proper coach at under 16 level because you wouldn't, there'd be uproar in the Blazers if you didn't have a proper under 16 coach yeah. in the boys. Yeah, it's, it's about striking a balance between uh, maintaining the atmosphere and the ethos and all the stuff that have made the women's team build and build and get more and more successful for the last few years but also making sure that they've got the support that they need now that they're professional to keep that building going like the money that we're spending on contracts is money that's completely wasted without any support like you can't take players that are amateur six months ago start paying them and then go oh you're professional now so you can win all these games why are you not winning these games so that's not how it works that's the, the players being paid and getting the professional contracts is one piece of the puzzle, but the support needs to be there as well. They need to have backroom staff. They need to have coaching. There needs to be pathway coaches to make it worthwhile. Otherwise, you're just setting it up to fail. And then in five years, you can go, well, we tried investing in the women's team and it didn't work. It's like, no, given, given female players a contract to be a professional player is a great start and it was absolutely essential and we needed to do it but they also need to be supported properly. Things like Scotland losing two World Cup pool games uh, because of one conversion in each game when the same day Chris Patterson's standing pitch side for URC TV doing Edinburgh Benetton when he is theoretically the kicking coach for the Scotland national setup. Like, I'm sorry, but if you're, if you're the, the national setup's kicking coach and one of your national senior teams is in a World Cup, why are you not there? And then we then we lose two pool games by one conversion. So yeah, prof- professional contracts is brilliant, and we we banged the drum for that for ages, and it's and it was what we needed. But you're setting them up to fail unless you support them properly, and you're wasting your money unless you support them properly. Bear in mind, yeah. day before Chris Patterson was at a corporate event as well, representing BT. So, and what his job is, God knows, because he just gets rolled out for everything. To be honest, like. Yeah. No slight on the man. He's a great kicker coach, and we'd love to have like more opportunities to have them. But he's stretched so thin on the ground that they're like any sort of event, Mossy will go. Mossy can do this. Yeah. Mossy can do and that. It's, like, and it's a shame because like, <laughs> you don't you don't want to make it sound like I'm blaming him or anything. But 
you've got to think about the priorities because at the end of the day, you are talking about a senior national representative team in a World Cup and you've got a national kicking coach. So why is he not there? He's so stretched. He's so stretched. He records the official podcast from his car. Like <laughs> like Marion and Jeff, like he's so, so like a, kind of a divorcee so outside his ex-wife's house. Well, remember, That's what it looks remember like. Remember, we did have rumours about this, Cam. <laughs> oh, you expect that we... You expect that we see she's she's poisoned the burns against me. She's poisoned the burns against me. Get get Mossy a proper studio. That's obviously like that's obviously that's that's way down the list of of priorities, like funding wise from the SIE. But just get you know, don't make him record from his car. Bless him. (laughs) Just. um, It's almost like he's humble bragging how busy he is. Yeah, but I mean, I I mean, obviously, you're going to agree with that. I mean, it's. There have been step, step. There is a step in the right direction, but I think we we've said before that it's it it feels in a way too little, too late, unless there is then a significant ramping up, and and you know to a certain extent there has to be a an easing into it because you can't just suddenly throw a load of money and, and and hope it starts to work. There does have to be a plan behind it, but it has to be an accelerated plan at the same time. Yeah, it does need to be because, like you say, these other teams we've gone up against have had contracts in place for five, six years now, and we, it's, we've always say we're always playing catch up, but we've got the resources there already on site in terms of what the boys use. How can we use that ourselves? Like, and like Donny said, we need the support there. It's not just support of you know when we're on the pitch and stuff. It's actually off the pitch is probably more pertinent, more important. Like, you're bringing in these contracts, which are just year contracts. It's not like the boys who have you know two to four years of security. These are just yearly contracts. Now it's a case of, have you got support and plans in place for when these girls suddenly don't have a contract? What are you going to do? Is it a case of, you've not got a contract to you by go and sort yourself out? Or, you know, we need to have stuff in there where you support and you help these girls get back into education, get back into work, get back into earning a living. Because from personal experience, I literally had a phone call uh, that lasted five minutes being like oh just to let you know you don't have a contract for next year any questions no okay perfect thank you done finished gone like that that's the, the hardest part and i don't think people often realize it is that then it's like well what do you do next and that's where the sport needs to be as well especially um it's great to have also have like backroom staff people taking care of nutrition i mean you saw a photo of the backroom staff they had from the six nations i think there must have been about 20 of them there which is great and amazing but is everything in place in those right areas and i mean it's not even the women's game it's the men's game as well it's like it's that life after rugby that's the most important and key part and that's where i think we need to really start stepping up both sides of the game and actually help these guys further down the line um but yeah i think having these contracts is a great initial thing it's like well now what's going to flourish and blossom from there in terms of what are our needs and necessities and how can we make this investment grow year on year and not just be, like you say, just a flash and pan of, here, we've tried it, didn't work well, you know, we at least gave it a shot, oh well. And that, that was, there was a, a rumour, um, kind of wrapping up now, because I'm conscious we, we, we're, we're stepping into Patreon time now, and I, I, I want to kind of wrap up and, and take the discussion into there, but there was a suggestion, I think a year ago, and it may have been on Twitter, I'm going to say it was on Twitter just in case I'm in trouble and someone messaged me this privately. But I think the URC had an away day and top of their list was women's URC. That was what they, you know, they yep. that's the marketing guys. That's not, this isn't kind of the blazers. This is the marketing guy said that's top, top priority would be 
a woman's GRC because we think we could market the hell out of that and we can make it success. And there's been noises that were heading that way, but then there's also been a lot of silence recently. And I think that that's the big risk now is where does it go from here? Because we, we can't be in a situation where you've got a, that's what they call like the emerging teams, almost these kind of anybody that's not playing in the English Prems gets put in a, a team and we have some runouts against the Welsh and you know the the Welsh and Irish provinces and that's that's it. There has to be something more concrete now, and it's either you create a you know you create a UK wide one. It doesn't have to replicate the RC, I suppose, but it has to be something more regular and solid. Yeah, I, I think I think to be fair to the URC, they seem to be they do seem to be considering and thinking about options for you know really you know, boosting their product. And I think that ultimately comes down to maybe some of the shareholders they've got. Um, there's there's a desire to make sure they've got a marketable product. And they they do seem quite forward-thinking in that aspect. Now, there has been a lot of silence on that. And I do wonder, um, I do wonder what's at the root of that. Um, I, I, I do wonder if the emerging, you know, the, the emerging nations sort of... Um, Celtic thing that we've kind of went down the route of is maybe a, a, a stepping stone and maybe it's a bit of a trial thing. Um, there there would definitely be a market for the women's URC. Now, the Italian Italian women are all playing at a decent level. Um, Wales, are now, Wales are now moving to professionalism. Scotland are moving to professionalism. Let's let's not necessarily worry too much about getting South Africa in there just now, because it's already a bit of a carbon footprint nightmare to go and visit South Africa. But you know, there, there's definitely potential to create a really strong league, and actually, it would drag. I think, in some ways, like the biggest disappointment of the women's game at this point in time is Ireland, and where Ireland are at. And I think it's the one that frustrates everyone. You know, having been a really strong player in women's rugby. At, at one point, they they are so far behind the curve now, and I think almost that sort of competition would drag Irish rugby to really push themselves forward and 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 try and and, and compete. And I think that would be incredibly important for the the overall development of the game. Do I think that benefits Scottish rugby? Absolutely not, um, because Ireland will throw money at it, and we will probably find ourselves behind them. But for the overall benefit of the sport, I think it's really important. So I I think we've had a bit of silence, but I think we're not far off probably some noise. But if we take the world XV as a, an example, we're probably not going to hear anything about it until it actually happens. So let's just let's just assume stuff's happening in the background and they'll pop up with a, a URC women's league and they'll just announce it three days before it starts. Look, the partnership the partnership with Rock Nation has got to be doing something because Beyonce's just yeah. played Murrayfield and the Principality. <laughs> if there's any evidence that the Irish Irish influence on world rugby is waning, it's that Beyonce did not play the Aviva. I heard I heard she was very good. She was very, very good, but she changed codes a lot. It's that cool. Was, uh, Someone said that to me as well, actually. Yeah. That that, that was the, the I, do, I, do I, that, I do that regularly at Murrayfield. That's just cool. Like a safe, Craig. It's you cold. did it last it's time you were there, actually, Craig. I'd say, yeah, because I remember. 
I got the I got the unrealised I was I was woefully unprepared for how cold it was, so I had to go oh, in there. He bought that. He bought the Edinburgh was, training kit with a city map on it and chucked it on while we were like halfway was, through was the that game. The, was that the four yeah. pints per half day? I think it might be that. Uh, yes. It no, was, no, yeah. it was, no, no, it was. It was. Yeah. It was plenty. It was more than four pints. That's for sure. Anyway. <laughs> Look, we're we going to leave it there for the. We, we'll carry on with this chat in the Patreon podcast. Look, that that's that's it for for this season, everybody. Um, keep an eye on our social media channels, and we'll announce when we're going to start putting out um, full podcasts again for the general public. For patrons, hang on if you're watching live, um, or check your inbox if you're not. Uh, we'll have a Patreon-only episode um, this week, and then we'll kick back in with some Patreon-only episodes in the run-up to the World Cup and start recording the full ones, probably just in advance of some of the summer tests. For the moment, though, it is goodbye from me and goodbye from Lisa, John, Johnny, and Craig. Bye. 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 Bye.